Let us worship God. Amos, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 18th verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. Open our hearts and minds this morning that your word might fall afresh upon us this day. Amen. 
Alas, for you who desire the day of the Holy One. Why do you want the day of the Holy One? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Holy One darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing See, your house is left to you, desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Here ends the gospel reading. Who here is a fan of the Antiques Roadshow? Yeah, I see that hand. It's the PBS show in which regular people bring in objects that they may have had stored in their attic for 40 years, never giving it a thought that, that, that what they actually own could be treasure. Some artifact they inherited from a long gone relative which could be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. The format of the show is really very simple. People bring in their objects and have them appraised by experts. Trained people who know how to examine such objects for their authenticity and their worth. Now you might think that sounds rather dull, but you would be wrong because there's a great deal of drama on the Antiques Roadshow. There's always a shock when some unsuspecting person brings in his artifact and it's like, oh, it's just this old wobbly chair with a bunch of scratches. Um, I think it used to belong to my great-grandmother or something like that. And the appraiser looks at it with his keen eye, turning it over and over again to look for those distinguishing marks, those particular characteristics which say, this is the real deal. This is the genuine article. And then the big reveal happens, right? When this unsuspecting guy, who thinks this is probably worth nothing, suddenly hears from the appraiser, this chair, which you kept with your Christmas ornaments and the stuff for goodwill, used to belong to Mozart. (laughs) It's not what you think. You have in your possession an absolute treasure. And of course, there's the opposite shock, which I have to admit I kind of enjoy, (laughs) when another unsuspecting person brings in what he thinks is a prize worth millions, and he hears from the appraiser, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, you think this piece is from 1690, but it's more like 1990. 
See that little IKEA sticker? <laughs> it's not what you think. Your prized possession is a complete fake. See, I told you there's drama on the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> I know this is kind of a big leap to our reading today, but isn't there something like this happening in the book of Amos? Here's this 8th century BC prophet from the southern kingdom sent up to the northern kingdom with a word from God. It's a time of great prosperity for Israel, a time of political strength. But Amos does not come to congratulate them. He is sent by God with a difficult word. It is not a soft word. It is not a comfortable word. It's not a word that lands easily on their ears. It's a dangerous word, a word which they cannot escape, a word from the Holy One, which the opening verses of Amos state that God roars from Zion. There are times when God comes in a still, small voice, but this is not one of them. Yahweh here is a lion roaring out a message that comes from the gut. And the big reveal is this. What God's chosen people have been engaged in amounts to fraud. The Holy One, not unlike the expert appraiser, holds up the people of God, looking up and down for that distinguishing mark of authenticity, that sign that they are a covenant people, the sign which marks them as delivered. And God looks, and God looks for the authentic sign, which shows that their devotion is true, that their deliverance has taken hold of them. But it isn't there. That sign isn't there. The people thought, we're God's chosen. We got this. But people, Amos says, it's not at all what you think. You are all form and no substance. You are a beautiful house with no life inside. You have the rituals and the offerings, the gorgeous music, the finest liturgies, but it's all noise to me. You don't know me at all. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Friends, I'm going to say this up front and hope for the best. Today's sermon is all about judgment. It's about God's judgment not on unbelievers and atheists, the outsiders, if you will, but on us, the insiders, those of us who identify as God's people. It's all about what arouses this response in the heart of God. 
I want to offer this word even as I know we come with all kinds of responses and experiences and histories with a church that has practiced all kinds of judgmentalism. Ways that have wounded us and distorted us and distorted our picture of God. We see God as this this angry, thin-skinned, easily offended deity, ready to fly off the handle at any sighting of the tiniest speck of sin, sending down wrath because we're just, just too human. God is all holy perfection, and we are not. How are we supposed to live with a God who judges us? And is it any wonder why we reject this picture of God? We know too many stories of how the judgment of God was used as a weapon against people, a way to shame people for who they are and make them outcasts, a way to make us doubt our own belovedness. I've heard some of these stories from you, and they are heartbreaking. I'm so sorry for how your humanity was diminished in the name of God. And just to be clear, that was not God. That was a caricature of God. May I ask something of you today? May I ask you to be open to hearing this word of God's judgment as a word of grace, a word which actually comes from God's love. See, judgment is in God, not the opposite of love. Judgment is always in the service of God's love. God's judgment is not the last word, the final answer, game over, last word, but the next to the last word, that word that prepares us for freedom. God speaks a word of judgment not as an end in itself, but so that in calling us to give up the false things we've been clinging to, we can be free to be who we were meant to be in God's eyes. Speaking that kind of truth is actually love. Don't you hear love in Jesus' words from Matthew 23? Jesus is looking at the city of Jerusalem. And with love, he allows the sight of the city to break his heart. Remember, Jerusalem is a city with a beautiful temple, and with all this glorious tradition and history. But rather than being impressed with all that, what Jesus sees is a desolate house. He sees the resistance of people, a people who cling to the trappings of their religion, thinking that it is treasure when it is not, thinking that they are safe when they are not. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Jesus came to be shelter for them, 
He was to be their home, the true temple, a place of nurture and protection, a place meant for the flourishing of all. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, we need a God who judges because we need, and this world needs, to be freed from our delusions. Delusions about what power is, about what wealth is, what community is, what life is. We need to be freed from our delusions in order to be recreated in the image of God's love. God's gathering up, mother hen kind of love. I wonder what it would mean to be the kind of church that can hear this word of judgment as a word of grace. I know it sounds obvious, but I think it starts with listening. We often talk about the church needing to speak truth to power, and that is right. That is our call. But maybe the American church would do a better job of that if we could deeply and truly listen as the prophetic truth is spoken to us. Letting the grace of God's judgment fall on us so that those stubborn delusions begin to fall away from us too. I confess that when I looked at this text in Amos and got a sense of what it might be saying to the church, my first thought was this. The religious right. They are so sure of themselves. They are so drunk with power. They are so smug about how God is on their side. It's disgusting. Did you ever do that while listening to a sermon? You're sitting in the pew, listening to this word, looking over your shoulder and thinking, I hope so-and-so is really listening to this. She really needs to hear this. It struck me that while it may very well be true, about the need of the religious right to hear this word, I know we need to hear this word too. Because we have our own delusions about being the church, ways that we're sure we are right, ways that we too resist the implications of being a delivered people. And I really couldn't say, this is how grace works, right? It kind of catches us. I really couldn't say they about the religious right, as if they were somehow not part of us. I somehow had to learn to say we, and I did not like that. (laughs) That is hard. I don't want to do that. Because I'm pretty sure that being gathered up under God's expansive wings doesn't mean we get as far apart from each other as we possibly can under our own separate wings where we sit and complain about each other. That's not the vision. 
Mother hen has only one body, only one brood, and God is even now gathering all of us wayward ones under her wings, if we will allow this. Somehow, I, I don't know how, only God knows how, but somehow all of us, right and left, rich and poor, Palestinian and Jew, Russian and Ukrainian, every gender and race and nation, we are all meant to find safe haven within the love of God. And somehow to make room for this vision, even a word of judgment can be a word of grace. There's a flower that I've heard about which only grows in the forests where there has been a fire. It's called papifer californicum, or the fire poppy. It's a a flower that's a deep red-orange color with four, sometimes five petals, and a green little stigma in the middle of it. When we were in Yosemite a few years ago, we would see huge areas of the park where, where clearly massive fires had devastated the place. The greenery of the trees were all gone, and the trunks of the trees, if they were still standing, were burnt and, and ashy looking. But there would be these flowers, these flowers growing on the forest floor, that, like little, little miracles in the middle of all of this devastation. See, these these flowers, in order to germinate, the fire poppy seeds, which are buried in the ground, require the heat of a fire and the ashy property of the soil made from all those dead trees. Fire poppies just don't grow any other way. I wonder if this could serve as a kind of invitation Friends, God's treasured and beloved people, what would it mean for us to allow our own delusions, every false thing in which we have placed our confidence, to be burned away, to be part of what makes a new thing? What beautiful new thing could grow in its place? I don't know, (laughs) but I do say this. Let's find out. Let's find out what beautiful new thing could grow in its place. May the God who is both a roaring lion and a mother hen invite us together to follow. Amen.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Holy One, you have fed us in word, in song, in community, and in bread. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Friends, listen for the word of God, however it comes to you. Whether it comes through the roar of a lion or the prodding of a mother hen. Listen for the words that bring you life and freedom and hear the voice of love call you home. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.